there. Welcome to It's an Honor Just to be Podcasted, a highly opinionated experiment in tricking my husband to giving a merit about award shows. Ooh. I know. My name is Christopher Basile, and I'm the auteur of this production. And I'm Alexander Price, and I think I already see where this is going. Yes. So the Oscars for the movies of two, uh, 2018 just happened. Thoughts? Mm, I don't like certain things because I was forced to watch. <laughs> yes. I think we can all agree that we didn't need another Driving Miss Daisy at this time oh, in our lives. If only it was a Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, you haven't seen Green Book, right? No. No, yeah. I did not see Green Book. I had no ambition to see Green Book. <laughs> I had no... I like the choice of that word. Like you have to climb a mountain to basically yeah, get uh, to that, see that movie. I mean... <sighs> so, yes. Obviously, we didn't like how the ceremony stuck the landing because nope. it missed the mark on quite a bit of things but overall there was a lot of good stuff about the ceremony yeah. like it was actually an entertaining ceremony yeah and no there, host worked yes uh there was great represent representation across the board yep. in terms of movies and people of color winning sure which is fantastic but yeah we're going to because this is our podcast uh we're going to kind of pretend for a moment that that ending didn't happen yeah I, I mean that's just my life yeah and just pretend that instead the worthier uh option one that would have been actually quite probable in this year mm -hmm. yeah and that I is so. the case of roma yep which uh available on netflix available on netflix it's a fantastic movie there are other great movies this year but that one actually had a lot of uh going for it as terms of it actually winning it did not and i have a couple theories of why alexander do you guess what those might be it's foreign that is one of the big ones. There's reading to be done. <laughs> yes. Just for you. <clears throat> a miracle book to read. Keep going. There's a film to explore. <laughs> Parts <laughs> on the floor. Wow. Maids and families to take once more. That's what makes up Roma. Yeah, at first I couldn't tell if you were trying to do magic to do or reading Rainbow. No, it was, ma yeah. it was magic to do. Yeah, no, definitely. It got there. Um, that is definitely one of the big ones. The other one I'm going to point out, and we're not going to talk about it too much, but I think this surprisingly might be the bigger element of it, is Netflix. Oh, not black and white? No. I oh. mean, uh, well, a couple of years ago, the artist one. I guess. Yeah. That was also silent. Yes, it was. And foreign. Mm, yeah, actually. Yes, it was. Yeah. Hmm. Mm, at least partially. Pokes holes in your theory. <laughs> Well, no, I actually have a couple uh, points on this, but okay. to talk about Netflix first before we get into the meat of this episode. In terms of industry, and this is a really boring topic. Ooh, the industry. I the know. industry of film. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of pushback about streaming services being a part of the awards when it comes to movies. The most successful they've been is when it comes to documentaries because it's such a niche market. And actually, that's how people get to see these documentaries as a yeah. streaming services. Netflix has had good luck when it came to that, especially short subject. But it wasn't until uh, 2017 that it managed to get anything in any other category. And that was Mudbound, okay. which got nominated for Supporting Actress, Adapted Screenplay, and Cinematography. Right. So... In terms of getting out there, this was a huge step that Roma got 10 nominations. Huge. Mm -hmm. But industry is still very... Slow. I would 
strangely enough, everything I've read about this is they seem legitimately scared. Because it would theoretically put them out of business, but not at all. No, it it's a fear that doesn't make full sense to me, but it's something that apparently is talked about a lot behind closed doors that they didn't want them to gain this sort of recognition. Like, for instance, uh, for three years now, at least two, uh, Netflix has not been allowed to compete at the Cannes Film Festival. Well, that's just because the French. Yes, <laughs> but apparently it's also a thing here, which is bizarre to me. But, and this is where we're going to get to our uh, big uh, section of this episode, is foreign films at the Oscars. What do you know about this? I know that Pedro Almodovar has not been nominated enough <laughs> for his work. Mm -hmm. I know that if you are a Holocaust movie, you'll probably win Best Foreign Film. It definitely does not hurt. I know if it if it has a sad title, that usually is the one that people pick because they didn't see any of them. <laughs> yes. I don't know how, it, how voting works for Foreign Film for the Academy. Okay, well, let me go through the history of this just a little bit for you. Oh, great. I know. History? Yeah. Uh, what am I on, a film history podcast? Yes. Oh, no. Uh, so, when the Oscars began in the 1927-1928 year... In the beginning. In the beginning. There was no official designation on eligibility based on uh, where the film came from. Okay, so anyone theoretically could put it in, but there wasn't really a lot of avenues that it was going to come from anyways. What do you mean? So you could be from any country right. and submit your movie, but filmmaking was not as prolific as it was. Actually, and this is kind of something insane, uh, Hollywood was playing catch-up to really? things across the world for a while. Yes, there was huge things like D.W. Griffith and all sorts of things, but Europe in particular was a huge uh, place for silent films. Oh, Okay. And so they were being prolific like crazy. One of the biggest producers outside of England was Germany. And Hollywood was huge. Like, don't get me wrong. But especially because they were silent and all you had to put up was a new title card. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the same sort of thing now. It's the sense of, oh, I'm going to have to read the entire movie. Okay. Right. Uh, it was silent. Right. So and it didn't really matter the language. Exactly. There was music being played. Exactly. In the place of origin. Then... uh. And that just kind of existed, and foreign films would pop up in various categories. In 1947 to 1955, they had a special slash honorary Oscar that was not given every year, but it was based on film released, a foreign film released in the United States. So okay. it actually did have to be released here, and it wasn't voted on by the general body. It was by the nominating committee that of basically a couple people decided, I liked this film, we'll give it to that. Wait, so the people nominating... Got to pick? No, uh, i sorry, I misspoke. There's the, the chair and the board for the Oscars. They got to choose. Yeah. Okay. And that's why you got, remember when we were doing the 1950s, that movie you'd never heard of and the I immigrants? never heard of? <laughs> no, that was the 70s. The Immigrants, part two. You don't listen, do you? I do listen. <laughs> How dare you? I have to edit this podcast too. I know, I know. And I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, I have to listen to this twice. I know. Anyway, jumping forward in 1956 onward, it uh, they now started giving out a, quote, award of merit, which just basically means a normal award. Uh, it had to be a feature-length motion picture produced outside the United States that contains primarily non-English dialogue. It is submitted by the country, so it doesn't have to be released in the United States. Okay. 
And this is basically the thing that still is existing nowadays. They don't have to be released in the United States? Not to be uh, nominated for a foreign film. It has to be released in the country of origin within a set time frame. But it doesn't officially have to be released but in the United States. Then who's voting for it? What they did is they've assembled a committee whose only job is to watch every single foreign film submitted to them. By every country. By every country. To give you an example of that, this past year, which Roma won, right. 89 countries submitted. Okay. So this one committee had to watch 89 films, narrow down that list to usually 10 or 9 films. That's called the Oscar shortlist. And then those films are voted on by the general body. Huh. So is that why films that do release in the United States have a better chance of winning? Yes. Because they've already seen it or they're like... Or, uh, well, or there's like a higher profile to them, so they're sure. paying more attention to it. Okay. However, that's just for foreign film. If you want your film to be nominated in any other category, it has to follow the same rules as any other movie. It has to be uh, released for a full week in L.A. County and playing in theaters. Uh-huh. Uh, there's been a rule that was created... Uh, relatively recently, that said that if a film was nominated for Best Foreign Film, it could not in a subsequent year get nominated for any other categories. Mm. So like, for instance, when we were talking the about immigrants. 1972. Yeah, The Immigrants. Oh, I got it right this time. Yes. Part two? Uh, part one. Uh, when part one got nominated for Foreign Film the previous year, the it was still eligible to be allowed to be nominated for other things the following year when it was actually released mm -hmm, in theaters normally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The uh, most recent example of something that managed to sneak by with this was City of God. Yes. Which was uh, put up by its country for Foreign Film, but it did not get a nomination. Therefore, the following year when it was released in theaters, it was, el it was eligible for all the other normal awards. Right. Okay, and that's when it got a best pick, uh, best uh, director and screenplay and editing and uh, cinematography nominations. Okay, so that's the long and short of it. How do you think foreign films fare in other categories? Not great. Generally, yes. That's always been my thought about it. You look at any given year, and you go, "Oh, why wasn't this nominated? Because this is clearly one of the best movies that came out." And it's, well, no, that people just don't like doing that very often. See, I'm always confused. Okay. Yeah. So we, this is tangential, but also I think is relevant. Mm -hmm. Almodovar, I'll use as an example. Mm -hmm. Even though he is not, his movies are not put forward by Spain. Not very often, no. Once. Uh, that I could recall, yes. Why aren't his movies, though they are released in the United States, not considered for other awards? They are considered. And a couple times it did get nominations. Like Volver. Volver got nominated for uh, actress, best actress. Um, he, I'm actually going to this because I find this kind of fascinating. In addition to all these various rules and stuff, when the ceremony happens, the director is the one who accepts the award for a foreign film. For a foreign film, however, until 2014, the director is not actually the recipient of the award. Is it the producer? No, it is the country of origin. What? So. Since uh, 1956 to 2014, it would say, for instance, like Roma, Mexico. Mexico and, gets the award. And Mexico gets the award. But since 2014, they decided to graciously add the director's name to the statue and the, statu and the director's allowed to keep it. Oh, well, yeah. So in the case of Almodovar, 
he won, or I should say, Spain won for Best Foreign Film for All About My Mother. Right. But he didn't get to keep the award. <sighs> but for uh, good on him that he did win a couple years later for Best Screenplay for Talk to Her. And he was okay. allowed to keep that because obviously it wasn't it was, a the yeah. foreign award. Yeah. So he does have an Oscar that he could have on his shelf. Thank God. <laughs> but yeah, that is the nature of this beast. Out of uh, the 68 awards handed out by the Academy since 1947 to foreign films, uh, 57 have gone to films from what continent? Europe. Yes. Uh, seven to Asian films, five to films, quote, from the Americas. And three to African films. If you look at the... Where is the Antarctic representation, Christopher? They have not submitted anything. Well, or Australian. So Australia has been nominated for a couple. Uh, most recently for a movie called Tana. If you, It's actually kind of cool that uh, there are a lot of countries in which the uh, primary language is English that still get to submit it if the film is in a foreign language from that country. Okay, I was going to ask because you have like English films... Yes. Don't even go really in the foreign film category. Oh, no, absolutely not. However, there's a lot of the time uh, films from either England or Ireland or any other places where if it's if Gaelic is the main language, that's a foreign film, but foreign language film, technically. So it Canada, really isn't is best foreign language film, not best foreign film. Well, here's the other designation that is a little nuts. If it's a American film. Even if the entire language spoken in the film is a foreign language, it's not eligible. This These rules seem nonsensical and yes. labyrinthine for no problem. Yes. Like, no reason. Oh, pretty much. There's been uh, times where a country has submitted a film, and the committee looked at it and says, uh-uh, that doesn't count. They're like, not foreign enough. Exactly. It has to be uh, the foreign language, and it has to be produced by that country. Mm. Well, but also, though, most countries do put money into their films mm -hmm. through like lotteries or grants oh yeah that's how films are literally made in most other countries and yeah especially in england there is when you put on the movie a lot of the time says this film is partially financed by the lottery board germany is yeah. great at that absolutely uh of the countries that have won italy is by far the biggest winning country is that because uh especially at the beginning Mm -hmm. Italy was making so many movies. It was making a lot of movies, especially in the neorealist uh, yeah. style. Yeah. Uh, as a context, uh, Federico Fellini has won the most competitive Oscars as a director with four. But if you, As a foreign director or any director? Uh, um, no, as his films have won four competitive Oscars oh, in the foreign film okay. category. I thought you said he. Well, it, yeah, I mean, they yes, but yeah. it wasn't his awards. We've discussed this. No, it's not. They're Italy's awards. Yeah. And if you consider the special citations that were given before it was competitive category, Vittorio De Sica, who did a lot of the neorealist stuff, would have tied with four as well. Okay. So Italy got in early post-war and was making movies that Americans actually wanted to see. And that hit a really big uh, turn for that. France is pretty close behind. Now, also question. Mm -hmm. Is that because Italian movies were dubbed in Italian, which made it easy to dub them in English? Theoretically, sure, but they did not dub them. That's so strange because they already don't match. The voices already don't match the people. Yeah, no, a lot of it had to do with, uh, especially with the neorealists, they wanted to feel like Italy. And it wasn't until the 70s, really, and I guess part of the 60s, where they would dub into English because... 
more people would see it. And yeah. that was a lot of the time not art house movies, but like uh, just giallos and stuff like that, like horror films or mm-hmm. supernatural mm-hmm. films. Because they always get down on uh, Japanese films mm-hmm. and Chinese films for being not matchy. Yeah. But Italian movies have uh, far more of a problem with no matchy syndrome. Yes. And because it's weird because you can see them speaking Italian, mm-hmm. but it doesn't match. Yeah. It's it strange. does not match at all. Well, also, if you think about it, a lot of the time they have people who work in Italian films who aren't Italian. They yeah. cast Swedish women a all lot. the time. That's why it's like, oh, this yeah. Italian movie is full of blonde people. Yes. And then be like, oh, this French actor could come in and he could learn a couple lines, but then he'll just be kind of like going blah, blah, blah a lot of the time. Sure. And Spanish films and uh, f- Spanish film actors. Or speaking in French. They could literally just have them speak whatever language they wanted. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of Asia... Japanese movies, especially post-war, did really well in America, but of a specific genre. And I think samurai movies. Yes, specifically samurai movies. Kurosawa. To, Kurosawa is very well uh, regarded. But what's fascinating is a lot of other movies that weren't necessarily samurai movies, but they took place in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Japan, did extremely well in the U.S. Well, wasn't that though because we were also making westerns? It well. Yeah, the samurai movies, especially under Kurosawa, were a Japanese take off of the Western. And he really put that to the forefront. But it wasn't just that. It was about, and I hate to use this word, the Orientalism mm, of it. it this, this, like, America's obsession with the East. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why you have a movie like Gates of Hell, which is just, like, takes place in a brothel in Japan. Sure. And it's with geishas and, like, really, like, beautiful costumes right but, but it's all about this like exoticism and fetishization of what japanese culture is yeah and there's uh to be fair though the, the japanese people were doing it kind of there's this symbiotic relationship between america and japan post-war 100 oh, of culture and ideas of what your own culture is and the other culture is oh 100 but it i think it probably i mean this is just me like making a theory that Americans didn't want to have to see modern day Japan shown on film because, because it was feel ruined. guilty. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, we'll talk about when Japan was cool to yeah. us. And I a guess. lot of and a lot of Japanese filmmakers loved using the past as a way to talk about current things without it being a You like, bombed us and killed a lot of people. <laughs> that, yeah. yeah. There yeah. was a pessimism in their movies that were pretty awesome that still stand up to this date. Sure. So to look at movies that I'll just call them foreign films, that survived other categories other than foreign film. Okay. When do you think the first foreign film got nominated for Best Picture? Mm, 19. I'm right so Uh far. Uh Okay. 196. No. 197. No. 198. No. 199. No. You're going the wrong direction. 1938. Oh. Yeah. Uh, With... Uh, Grand Illusion. I don't know what that movie is. I don't know her. <laughs> it's a pretty decent movie. Uh, it, it's uh, French? Yes. Oh, I got it. Yes. Ah, uh, one for Alexander. <laughs> but, no, hold on. Now I'm the expert on this. Grand okay. Illusion uh-huh. is me. a movie yeah. about a French magician's assistant. No. And she, yes, she tricks her mean magician into a box where she saws him in half and then she gets praised but she actually killed him 
surprisingly quite accurate. Yeah, it's about Nazis. Oh, <laughs> it's to which goes back to your point that you made earlier. Hooray! It's- Second point for Alexander. <laughs> Basically, it was their response to uh, the invasion of France. Vichy France. Yes. Uh, leave leave the multilingual <laughs> elements to yes, the polyglot. I, I honestly don't know why I'm even trying to talk about this subject when I can't pronounce it. So, I'm sorry. It's Grand Delusion. Yes. La Grand. Le. le it le, says La here. Le, <laughs> la Grand Illusion? No. Yeah. Le Grand. Le Grand Illusion. <laughs> there you go. Cool. You're welcome. Thank you. Listener. Mm-hmm. Christopher. Thank you. You're welcome. Throughout history, there's been occasional uh, ones that have managed to sneak into Best Picture. The next one was in 1969 with a movie called Z. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, is this... Where is that one from? Let me guess. Portugal. No. Ugh. No, it's a co-production between France and Algeria. They were wait. They did a co-production. They weren't friends. Yeah, no. They, they don't like a, each other. No, but I believe it was like a. Uh, there was like a French director getting Algerian money. <laughs> wait, were they both on the? Was it from France and Algiers when it was submitted? Uh yes. So they, oh, no, sorry. Uh, hmm. yeah. Okay. So what happens a lot of the time when it comes to these? Oh, like for instance, we will get to it. But Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Chinese. Was a Ha-ha. it was it was submitted by China, but it was a co-production from Taiwan, China, Hong Kong, and the United States. Taiwan and China both think that they're China, though. So yeah. no, I know. so it's China. Yeah, the People's Republic of China and uh, China, formerly known as Taiwan. Yeah, and the United States. Yeah, don't. Don't even get me started with this. How does hold up now? See, this is they're breaking their own rules because this feels like this happens all the time. They feel like this is it has to be okay. Yeah, don't get me started with it. They break their own rules. I'm just learning the rules and you're already breaking them. Yeah, so there was Z, there's the emigrants, the immigrants, part two, uh, part one. Uh, I don't want to get to see part two, then Cries and Whispers, then Il Postino. I know that one, that was from Italy. Yes, then Life is Beautiful. Italy. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. China. Mm-hmm. Amor. France. Yes. And Roma. Mexico. Yes. Now here's an annoying thing that whenever people try to boost their numbers about these kind of things, technically they also like to list, well, technically letters from Iwo Jima and Babel are primarily foreign language films. No. They are foreign language films. No, nope, those are American movies. Yes. <laughs> they are American movies. Mm-hmm. Directed by Americans. Uh, Babel. Oh, no. Babel was not. No. (laughs) But Babel was in like every language. It was. They had a whole language section of it in Spanish. They had a section of it in Japanese. And Mm -hmm. Japanese sign language. That's true. Uh, And a lot of the time when people are trying to crunch these numbers, they also include sign language as a foreign film. I mean, as a foreign language, which. Has there ever been, though, one? Not a. There's been films from other countries. In which sign language was a main component of it. But it's never been nominated for a foreign film. Uh, I don't think so. I don't. I mean, there might be one. If you are paying attention and want to send me a message, please, Correct, I'm curious. Christopher. Please. Please there's, do it. It would bring me so much joy there's been if a, someone out there <laughs> took their time and corrected Christopher because he's so smug. I know. All the time about how he's right and I'm wrong. There have been a lot of actors to be nominated for uh, sign language roles. Who? Well, 
There's uh, the Marley famous Matlin. one. Yes, she won for that. Yes. Who else? Samantha Morton. Is that her name from Sweet and Lowdown? Samantha Morton, the Irish actress? Yeah. What? Sweet and Lowdown. I don't know that movie. I don't know her. Uh, it's a... Okay, it's fine. It's a Woody Allen movie. Oh, then I definitely don't know <laughs> yeah. her. It's a half-decent one, but we mm. don't need to get down that path. Please not. Uh, there's been ones just... Oh, and uh, from Babel. She got nominated. Rinko Kikuchi. Yes. I know people's names. <laughs> that was impressive. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, the first time a foreign film got nominated for anything, period, was in 1932. That was the first foreign language film ever? <laughs> Actually, it was around that time. Ah, first because it was spoken and not silent. Actually, and this is kind of cool, it's for a movie called Anosa Liberté, French. French. Uh, Let me guess. I, okay, fine. French. It's a musical. It's an almost completely sung through musical. Ah, so it is the first foreign film ever. <laughs> but it's a really cool movie. You should check it out. Mm, um, see. Now, this is something that I ha- uh, learned while I was doing research for this topic. Okay. You didn't know everything? I, you big old know-it-all? Uh, yes. I did not know everything. But what really surprised me was... I had always got it in my head because you look at the best picture things and you look at and go, out of all this time, these are the only ones that got nominated. It's not even necessarily the best foreign films of all time. Right. Like, it's Il Postino, really? I don't like that movie. No, it's boring. N- nor did anyone. That was when Miramax first started like showing their like clout. Is They were the American distributors of it. Right. And they somehow tricked uh, the Academy Awards to nominating it for four awards. Is it because it was like foreign and but american produced no it was not american produced well, at all. because they would distribute it so they made it just everywhere sort of it was more that uh we could get to a whole discussion about miramax but we're not that's going, another podcast that's another that's another that's, episode. we could do that yeah but no it's just them convincing people that a movie is good when it's not mm. but what i didn't quite piece together is especially when you look at from the late 50s into the mid-70s, foreign films weren't necessarily getting nominated for Best Picture, but they were consistently nominated uh, for Costuming, editing, Uh, editing, cinematographer, cinematographer. The the main things that really surprised me was how frequently, especially in the 70s, directors got nominated if the Mm. films didn't. Is it because they were auteurs? Yes, that they were making like very clearly directed movies. Well, that's typical of theater in uh, in foreign countries as well. Oh yeah. It's a it's a director's medium, not a writer's medium. Exactly. And don't get me wrong, like there are quite surprisingly uh, a lot of costume and uh, art direction nominations during okay. this time period as well. So I was kind of right. You were. Uh but writing but I, it wasn't the answer that you were looking for. Uh, cinematography sl- strangely didn't get much love until much later. Until the 80s. Weird. Yeah. Is it because people didn't know what cinematography was? Pretty much. Okay, great. They just were like, look at the film quality, like film stock quality, which was poorer in uh, Europe at the time than in the United States. Ah, so they were um, bigoted against poor film stock quality. Yes, very much so. But for directing and especially for writing, there are years... like uh, For like, writing? For writing, yes. That's... Well, suspicious. Th- well, let me point something out to you. Yes, it is in translation that uh, they were seeing it, but 
when you were watching a movie in a foreign language, you were seeing the words presented to you. So they just equated that with good writing? Partially, yeah. Also, they were pretty decently done. No, I'm not saying anything against that. I'm just saying it's a little suspicious that it's like, ah, well, I can see the writing, so the writing must be good. But also, have you learned nothing about these Academy also, Awards at this point? It's like, no. look, this is movie has the most editing. Give yeah, it an award. It has the most words on screen. Give it an award. <laughs> yes. But also, they weren't writing the translation. No, they were not. So, were they giving it to the writer? I mean, I know they were giving mm. it to the original writer, but uh, yeah, no, it's very strange. It is. Just to be clear, though, I'm talking here about nominations. It was very rare that a foreign film won okay. anything. I mean, that makes a little more sense. Yeah. Like, uh, Best Director? Uh, can you guess who the first uh, director to win an Oscar was for direction? Fellini. Nope. Kurosawa. Nope. What continent? I'll just tell you. Alfonso Cuaron for Roma. What? Very first time. What? The person actually won. What? Yes. Huh? Mm-hmm. That's bizarre. Kurosawa only got one nomination for Ron. Not for Rashomon? Nope. He got a screenplay nomination. Or Seven Samurai? Nope. He really deserved one for Seven Samurai. Yeah. Yeah, but no. That's the thing. It doesn't always make full sense when they do it and when they don't. Fleeney got a few uh, nominations as director. Eight and a half? Uh, yes, eight and a half. Uh, also for Satyricon. Nope. Not Love on Torah. That's someone else. Right? <laughs> yeah, that is. Okay. And he did not get nominated for that. For writing, it is very... Like, there are awards, like nominations across the board. There's hard to find years during this period where someone wasn't nominated, but someone winning was exceedingly rare. Well, yeah, it was rare because... Oh, it was just the first director who got nominated is what you said. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the one category that they won the most in, generally across the board, was costumes. Oh, I was right. Yeah, you were. If you can't hear it, I have the smuggest <laughs> smile on at you, the moment. It, we really do. It's mm. like ear-to-ear -ear Cheshire Cat. Mm. I used to have a Cheshire Cat shirt. Mm. And not a shirt with a Cheshire Cat on it, mm -hmm. but a pink and darker pink striped shirt. <laughs> you do. I was waiting for you to go on. I, I was waiting for you to say more about that. There, what more do you want me to say about the Cheshire Cat shirt? <laughs> I, I, nothing. Okay. We're going to cut that out. Yeah, of course. Not, <laughs> no, I'm leaving the Cheshire Cat shirt in. I'm just cutting to you when you start. Okay. The one other category I want to talk about uh, for foreign language films is one that I always find a little fascinating, and that's for acting. Okay. So who do you think, or I should say, when do you think the first time somebody won for acting in a foreign one? film? Yeah, 1984. 1961. I'm just... I know. Sophia Loren. For uh, Divorce... Oh. Yeah. She got nominated for uh, Marriage Italian Style. Not Divorce Italian Style? No. Uh, Marcello Mastriani uh, got nominated for Divorce Italian Style. Marcello Mastriani. That's how you're supposed to say it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to be in an Italian restaurant trying to pronounce things. Marcello like Mastriani. <laughs> Sofia Loren, which is not very Italian sounding. No. Uh, predominantly, this was mostly a female thing that happened. Oh, because they were beautiful. Exactly. The, because I, if I know one thing, it's the Academy <laughs> likes awarding women mm -hmm. 
the award when it's their first time and they're young. Typically. And men when they're old. Mm-hmm. That's been changing a little bit in the last, like, 10 years, but yeah, really, but truly. Before that, it yeah, was before like, that, if it was your first time nominated as a male, you weren't likely going to win. If it was your first time as a female, you had a chance. And if you want to pad out this category like they definitely do, there were quite a few sign language winners and nominees, including Jane Wyman for Johnny Belinda. What? Yes. Uh, they like to put... Uh, Patty Duke in for Miracle Worker. Mm. I know. That's not a foreign language. She didn't even use sign language. No, she during didn't most even of use sign language. No, but they like to pad up the category. There's uh, Ellen Arkin for Hearts a Lonely Hunter. Uh, John Mills for Ryan's Daughter for British Sign Language. Okay. And again, he didn't really even use sign language in that movie. <sighs> no, they like to pad up this category a lot. Seemingly. And they also like to put Robert De Niro in this category for Godfather Part Two because he spoke Italian throughout the movie. What? Yeah. No. I know. I know. No. They just want to give everyone, they just want to give Godfather everything. Oh, yeah. Also, Holly Hunter for the piano. Come on. Yeah. In terms of actual foreign films <sighs> to win in this category, there's Sophia Loren. Okay. End of list. There is... Roberto Benigni. Life is Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that movie, nor do I appreciate him. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry if you're listening, Roberto <laughs> Benigni. Uh, Marion Cotillard for La Vie and Rose. Okay. End of list. Three people? Yes. Three? Yes. So, what I'm trying to get at here, and I'm going to point to this as an example. There was a year, a couple years ago, where everyone thought the by far the most deserving winner was Isabelle Huppert. For L. L, which we saw and liked. Which was... And she does act a lot in that movie. She, Well, she does, but she also is very subtle no, about No, 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 but really I'm, cool. what I'm saying is she has a lot to... You know, yeah, she's in the center of in that movie. Yeah. And deal with in that movie. Oh, yeah. All right, we can't talk about that movie on this podcast. Uh, uh, L? Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> but you know who she lost to? And this is just a sign of Academy Awards being Academy Awards. Meryl Streep. Emma Stone for La La Land. Don't get me wrong. I love Emma Stone. Mm, and you, But you get me wrong. <laughs> I do not like La La Land. No. If you can say one thing about Alexander Price, it's he does not like La La Land. No. That is something you've been very upfront about mm-hmm. across the board. But yes. So this was a, a performance that... It seemed universally acknowledged that it was going to be that that was one of the Isabella Huber. that it was one of the best performances, not just of the year, but like one of her career best performances mm-hmm. and one of the best in a very long time. But because it was a foreign film, they just couldn't let that happen. Xenophobic. It is. The Academy Awards have been known over the years for being very xenophobic. This will be a late, a larger topic that I could t- talk at a later date. Yeah, we can. But it, especially when it comes to their fear of British films. Right, right. That even same language, like usually co-productions, they did not like the fact that British films did very well in America or at the Academy Awards. Great. And to make matters worse, they decided to film most of the time any film that takes place in another country. Until recently, always spoke English. Uh, I'm going to point out, for instance, like Gandhi. uh, I don't think a word was said in that movie that wasn't in English. 
other than Mahatma Gandhi. I don't even know if they said that. Mahatma Gandhi. <laughs> like that? Yes, very Great. much like Thank that. Thank you. Thank you for my spot on imperialist British accent. That is something. Dialect. Yeah, there you go. That's something you do very well. Thank you. Yeah. You half Brit. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Half Brit? I'm a full British citizen. You are. If you didn't know anything else about me, no, Alexander Price is a full British citizen. To finish up, these are all the many reasons why Roma did not actually win. Sadly. And in fact, whenever a foreign film does do well uh, at the Academy Awards in terms of nomination stuff, that's when there's a backlash and something sometimes strange wins, usually on the conservative bent. This year it was Green Book. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, the only other time where it felt like there was a chance a foreign film might win was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Sure, because it was a huge movie. It was like the biggest movie that year, wasn't it? It was one of them. Yeah. But it lost to Gladiator. Ugh. Exactly. Just to give a sense Ugh. of history repeating. Ugh. So foreign films, keep trying. You do you because... Uh, you do you because you're as, great. As we learned from this episode, I know a lot about foreign films and mm -hmm. we and my taste is impeccable. So... You do you foreign films, because I know you. I don't know, I don't know Green Book. I don't know her. And if you want to hear more of Alexander's very opinionated views on media, yeah, you could check him out in Podleadum. That's top model podcast spelled backwards, where me, Hannah Jane Ginsburg, and JW Crump break down top model from the beginning, cycle one, episode one. We currently are in the end part of cycle three. And uh, you can watch along with us on Hulu, which does not um, sponsor us yet. They give us no money. They but... give us no money yet. But who knows? Uh, and you can also tweet at us uh, at Thwarp Inc. That's T-H-W-O-R-P-I-N-C on Instagram and Twitter, um, where you can find all of the Thwarp Inc. family of podcasts, which It's Not Just to Be Podcasted is under. So for It's Not Just to Be Podcasted, I'm Alexander Price. I'm Christopher Basile, and just redub this whole thing. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.